morning. It is a blessing to be here this morning. Felt like I was in the airplane and my water just fell and rolled all the way to the front. So, uh, we are uh, in our finishing up our 37th year uh, in, with Christ Mission Yucatan. And I, at first, I'm throwing out an apology to Ken, who I called him his son John two times during Sunday school. But 37 years ago, I dealt with Ken and or with John and Dan, and not with Ken. So um, I beg your apologies for that. Uh, things are are changed over the years. We left in 1985, uh, thinking, well, let's put it up in a three-year plan. We have an eight-year-old uh, child, and we are going to our eight-month-old child, and we're going to try to figure out uh, exactly if we're meeting a need in the Yucatan. There were some ministers working with some churches, uh, wanting to expand more churches, uh, saying they'd like to maybe have a, a youth camp. Uh, they had nothing working with youth groups with children or uh, teens at that time. Um, come and help us, and we thought, well. We'll see what we can do. And so for the first three years, um, we labored with that. Get there after uh, six months, the family that we were teaming with and working with left for a 14-month furlough uh, without us knowing about that they're going to go on a 14-month furlough. And it thrust us into learning faster because now language has to improve faster. Uh, The other family knew uh, English and Spanish. And uh, they were a Spanish couple. And uh, it was uh, one thing that just kind of built upon another thing and built upon another thing. And now, 37 years later, uh, we've made some transitions. Uh, we're not there full-time, though we work with Christ Mystery Time, Yucatan full-time. I go back and forth. Uh, came back here the 1st of October. Um, some reason after COVID, everything just kind of loaded up. All the uh, churches that I haven't spoken with for over uh, two years said, they, uh, we don't know what's going on. Why don't you come and speak? And so October, part of November here, uh, I have every Sunday basically uh, locked in. And uh, then Rhonda's last two treatments uh, over the past uh, 14 months is uh, this month of uh, November. And so I said, well, I'm not traveling during that time. November's not a good time anyways. you got Thanksgiving. You've got to stay here for Turkey and all that kind of stuff. And then December is too expensive, so we're going to go back the first of the year again. Uh, and that's the way the Lord just has constantly put things in action. Uh, in the fall of 2021, uh, as I'm preparing sermon series for 2022, uh, I decided that because of the circumstances that were going on in our lives uh, with, with Rhonda's treatments and diagnosis and things, that uh, I wanted to, to focus on peace with God. Uh, but then I started studying in October, November, December of 2021, uh, the peace with God, and God kept on opening up scriptures. And I discovered uh, that a lot of times peace with God uh, in scriptures is connected with grace and mercy. Grace, mercy, and peace. And, and so I started looking at that aspect. What's, what do I need to do with grace, mercy, and peace? 
And, uh, and, and as I'm studying grace, mercy, and peace, I'm thinking, well, this is all about God's actions to man, but maybe I need to know God's character a little bit better. So two weeks before, after I'd already sent down some sermons to uh, some of the young uh, preachers that we assist with sermon writing with, uh, I said, when I arrived in in January of uh, this year, I said, well, we're starting out, we're going to go six, eight weeks on the names of God. Uh, Elohim and Adonai and uh, Rapha and uh, the different things, characters that come out in those names of God. And so for the first few months, we studied who God was. And then we started, as we got closer to March and April, we, we, we dove into grace. Uh, what a deep theme. That took us for several, several months. And then in the summertime, uh, dealing with uh, mercy. Uh, then this fall, uh, finally I got to peace. Sermons that I started writing back in 2021, finally was getting to, and I had to restudy because all of a sudden uh, they were 10 months old and had to expand upon that a little bit. But uh, one of the, the sermons is Peace with God, Making Peace with Mankind. There's a guy that wrote a series about uh, uh, peace with God. And we've kind of taken the titles and some of the outlines off of his studies for these and developed them into sermons. And uh, the idea, and it, it, I'm using this one right now because it fits really good uh, a couple days, even before elections. Because it is our struggle to know God but it is also the concept that to be at peace with God. And peace with God leads us to peace with so many different people, uh, with ourselves, with our church, with our brethren, with uh, uh, family. And so this is just a glimpse into all that. And it's all motivated by his love. God loved us. He loved mankind. He loved his creation to such extent. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God not has sent his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. In this, we discover the character trait of God. But we also are embraced with grace because Jesus Christ is the grace that God gave us. Even though we didn't merit it, we don't deserve it, Jesus Christ was given to us. And when we go a little further than that, the mercy comes because we accept who Jesus Christ is and what he did on the cross. Uh, This is uh, an explanation that uh, people use. Grace is positively giving sinners what they do not deserve. You do not deserve, I, we, do not deserve Jesus Christ. He came down to live amongst us. That was God's grace to us. Here's my son, who I love. 
listen to him. Jesus was given. That's grace. But the mercy comes in effect. The mercy is not giving sinners what they do deserve. Now, you started communion uh, meditation with, you're, we're guilty. We're all guilty. And that's the idea of mercy. Every single one of us stand before God and we are guilty. We deserve whatever we get. When you get pulled over for going 45 and a 25 and you stand before the judge and he says you're guilty, it's true. We're guilty. And there is nothing you can do about that. But mercy is the judge saying, but just a second. Your fine is paid. You're free to go. That's mercy. We're given something that we don't deserve. But in grace, but in mercy, we're not given what we do deserve. We are guilty of sin, and we should be paid, we should pay the penalty of sin, which is death. But Jesus Christ died. In his death, the blood covers the mercy seat so that our sins are covered. Our sins are no more. So when we stand before God, God sees the blood of Jesus Christ and says, you are free to go because of what he did. We're guilty, but we're free. That's grace and mercy. And that brings us to the point of peace. When one understands God's love, they accept God's grace, Jesus Christ. They receive his mercy when we accept saying, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He died on the cross for my sins. I believe that. I confess that. I wash that in the burial of baptism. I rise up to newness of life. We embrace that, what Jesus, what God did through Jesus Christ. And then we encounter forgiveness. What does forgiveness do for us? It brings us to a point that we are, are not troubled by our past. And we have hope for the future. All these words we find in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, of God he hasn't changed his character. This is what God has wanted to do from the beginning, to have a people as his own. Sanctified, holy, living apart, chosen, and now bought by God's actions, not by our actions, by Jesus' work on the cross, not by our works. We believe that Jesus' faith on the cross was that if I die, God will raise me from the dead. We believe that. And so when we accept the death and burial of Jesus and we raise up the newness of life, we come to a point where now we're walking free but in peace. To the world, peace is a state of harmony, tranquility, the absence of hostility. Man, there is nothing peaceful in our world. 
unless you're sitting on the shores of Lake Superior the beginning of October with a campfire and you're looking out and the moon's about this big and it's 70 degrees in October in the UP. And you just spent the whole day looking at the colors and you're sitting there at the lake and you're with your wife and a son that's turning 30, just have to be able to come. All of a sudden you find that moment of peace. But that's not the peace that lasts. We had to leave. Eight days later in that same spot, they had 12 inches of snow. For some of you, that is not peace. For some others, it is a very peaceful thing. But that's the world. In Hebrew, shalom. In Greek, I did really good in Greek one year. And I have to say it in Spanish, Irene. So I don't know if that's very close to Greek anymore. But um, completeness, soundness, peace, inner tranquility. We have peace. Making peace with God. As I said in the past, we needed grace because there's no way that we can be before God. There's no way with sin in our lives that we can approach God. There's no way that we can be in his presence. Sin alienates us from God in peace. A lot of times in the Old Testament, we see God as being a God of wrath But if you go from Genesis all the way through, we find that his purpose was always to be in communion with man, to walk with man in the garden, to be a part of man. He wanted man to be part of him. He wanted fellowship. Fellowship includes food. I asked the people working in the kitchen, if this goes a little long, to turn the fans this direction, open this door right here. And the people in the back there will let me know because they will start walking out the door that it's time to eat because it smelled good in there. I already staked out the desserts, put my finger on certain ones, so you can remember that. Don't touch those ones. We need to remember that God's plan is a peaceful plan. There is a purpose for what we're doing. Jesus offers that peace. He came, he lived, he died, he rose, he ascended, and he will return. He accomplished the work. What I liked in one of the workshops I was at this past week at the uh, conference on missions was uh, the idea that, and and it's a deep thing, and this is going to maybe mess things up a little bit, but the idea that God in creation created all the physical things in six days. We're not talking science here, okay? We're, we're not going to debate that kind of stuff. He created everything, six days. And the seventh day, it says it's the, in the translation that he finished his work and he rested. And I never really looked at it that way. It, the guy mentioned God didn't take a nap and say, okay, Today is my Sabbath day. I'm taking a nap. I'm not doing anything. He continued to do what he wanted to do in day seven. And that was to be with man. 
to enjoy what his creation, to be part of it. It says he finished his work and he rested. The communion with God is something that God has never stopped doing. He wants us. And now through Jesus Christ, through justification and reconciliation, he's accomplished that in Jesus Christ. And the New Testament says it a little bit differently because one time and for all he spoke through his son. There is nobody else that we need to go through. There is nothing else to wait for when it comes to salvation. In Jesus Christ, God accomplished all he wanted to do according to salvation. With now peace with God can be enjoyed through obedience to the gospel. And I put this in there because these are sermons before what we're talking about today. And I want you to understand that this is something as from Genesis 1 goes all the way until now. And will continue through eternity. God continues to work. So, point one. That was all introduction. The need for peace among mankind. And this is a real quick point. Because we live in a world of diversity. It is not easy. We have racial differences. We have ethnic differences. We have political differences. We have economic differences. We have lifestyle differences. Gender differences. There is a world of diversity. And I just praise the Lord for that. Because... I'm sorry, but nobody wants to eat tacos every single day. Or pizza every single day. Maybe your kids do. But that will change sooner or later. On the way here, my wife and I were talking. And I remember when I was uh, that 9 through 12 years old, I can remember I didn't like rice. I didn't like rice pudding. I didn't like leche con arroz. I didn't like chop suey. With rice, I didn't like any of that. I, for some reason, I like, and I like eating a lot of stuff. But I didn't like rice. No, I love rice. I, love, I prefer rice over so, much other th- so many other things. But the reason I bring in food and we have fellowship here is because no matter what the diversity is, food is a common thing. All of us have food. Every culture, every country, any ethnic group, any race, any sexual differences, food is still an issue that we all deal with in common. You know, we have differences of likes and dislikes. Uh, I have a really good friend that doesn't like any onions, and he's come to the Yucatan uh, uh, several times, and we put onions on everything. And uh, he's made it. He survives. He has no problems with that. He's able to work past the onions. But diversity often leads us to hostility. I mean, look at the world we live in. Look at the political climate that we're in. Yes, no. Russia and Ukraine. We have all these problems. Racial differences can lead to racism. Ethnic differences can lead to prejudice. Political differences can lead to wars. Economic differences lead to envy. 
Lifestyle differences can lead to arrogance. Gender differences can lead to harassment. Such diversity often contributes to the lack of peace in our life. It is a struggle with all the diversity that there is. But I wouldn't want it any other way. Because we look so good being so different. But God, through Jesus Christ, brings all his diversity together into one. And that's what we're going to look at more and more. Before his death, there was diversity between the Jews and the Gentiles. Non-Jews are the Gentiles, Jews. The Jews say, we were God's chosen people. You guys are not. We can only eat this way, so we can't eat in your homes. There was all these barriers being built up because they interpreted God's laws as being a thing that, yes, we are a nation called out, which is true, but a nation that put on an air of arrogance around them. I can't eat in your home because it's unclean. I can't help the person injured on the side of the road because of the blood. I'm going to walk on by. These are interpretations of God's message to man over the years that man corrupted in lots of different ways. I can't walk to rescue my lamb that fell in the well because it's the Sabbath and it's past the distance that I'm allowed to walk. So I'm not going to help him. We don't find that in the scriptures. That was something that was developed using God's word in a way that benefited them. Why? Because it's a controlling issue. Jews and Gentiles. Sorry, you weren't born a Jew. You're not quite as special. Jesus dealt with that. The nation of Israel was God's elect people. And we understand that. They were called out. They were to bring, be a nation that was holy and sanctified for God so that they could bring God's grace into this world. Jesus Christ. Uh, There's a couple of scriptures there. I saw you have a little page in your bulletin there. You can write down your notes. Uh, If you need a pen... I have to go to the back. There's pins back there. The Gentiles did not enjoy the blessings of Israel. They were separate. They felt like they were isolated. And this is where I want to touch on the, the, the text in Ephesians chapter 2. I told my wife as... Um, as we were scurrying out and I was trying to pick up all the trash that had blown across the, our yard and into the neighbor's yard because of certain winds last night, my trash can had blew over and that I think some animals scurried it around. That uh, as I'm in the car, I go, whoops, I forgot my glasses. And usually I borrow hers, but it, you know, 
I didn't want to do that today, so bear with me. Ephesians 2, verses 11 to the end of the chapter. It says, Therefore remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called the uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups uh, into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing his flesh, the enmity which is in the law, which is the law of uh, commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself the might he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in some body, uh, into one body to God through the cross, by it having put to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. And through him we both have our access to one spirit, to the Father. And so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built in the, on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, to whom the whole building being, in, being fitted together and growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together within a dwelling of the God of the Spirit, into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we just thank you so much that we can read your word. We can see that we were far away, but you brought us near through Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that as we look further into your your word, we find not only the grace and the mercy that was given to us, but the peace uh, and the hope for eternity. I pray, Lord, also for those who are not here, those who are not able, that your messenger will be close, that your door will be open, and that they will be once again joined up with you and your family. And those who do not know you, Lord, that your messenger will be there to help, to, to enlighten, to let them know to help them see and to feed upon uh, the word that is before them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Not quite done. I'm not done. Wow, I heard somebody behind me during prayer. I still got point two. We're going to keep going? Okay. Every once in a while, uh, probably a drum roll, if if it's funny. And if it's not funny, probably just a groan from this side over here, all right? And that's never happened before. It's offering time, too. So uh, let's get on to the where, and that's really good because this is where distractions kind of uh, pale. I'm going to run real fast through my sermon. Forgiveness, peace, died for mankind, over there. Jesus died to end division. We already kind of touched on that. But 
the peace Jesus offers mankind pales in distinction. And so this is, I'm, I'm kind of red, but I, since I'm slightly tan in the face, you can't tell. But where it pales is that there is now neither Jew nor Greek, male or female. We are in a time in our, in our, in our lives, and we've got two days for elections, and it's a dividing point so many times. And it, and it, and it will always, Jesus Christ will never help the world be at peace. But the world can be at peace in Jesus Christ. Man will always have diversity and division. Whether you vote for this or that, or drink Pepsi or Coke, or prefer one restaurant over the other restaurant. My kids always wanted to put bumper stickers on their cars, our cars of like their high school team or their favorite college team. And I said, no. They go, but dad. I go, no. Why? Because the minute you do that, once we are drive to this town or this parking lot or this area, somebody sees that bumper sticker, they already are assuming something about me. And usually it's conflict. I was just three days in, in Ohio and in the heart of the, be- the belly of the beast of Columbus, all right? And I had Michigan plates on. You know, and, and so, you know, you get that feeling, okay, am I going to get keyed? Am I, something's going to happen or, or just whatever. But it didn't because I didn't have the bumper sticker on my car for one reason. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? I have trouble wearing Krispy Kreme t-shirt because somebody's going to prefer Dunkin' Donuts. And then we're going to be debating for an hour why one's better than the other. And it is just silly gestures and talking. And, and it doesn't benefit anything that Jesus Christ offers mankind. I will talk about tacos and food and what's one thing's better than the other thing. That's common conversation that we have in, together. Go to your home. Let's discuss with the best beef stroganoff you ever had. We were discussing that on the way here. We were missing beef stroganoff. Galatians 3.28. You guys with me? You're back there still? I didn't hear any dumps on the uh, talk about uh, Pepsi and Coke, though. (laughs) It wasn't that funny. All right. Galatians 3.28-29. After... Uh, Paul's writing about the faith in the law. And in Galatians 3, 28-29, he says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free man, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. Jews and Greeks, that all disappears. We were born Jews. You can kind of adopt Judaism, but you can't be one of us. You can just kind of be a proselyte. Jesus gets rid of all that. Whether you like Coke or Pepsi, you're still 
a Christian. And that doesn't change. Whether I'm in Cuba and I get called into the government office because we're, living in a, we're, we're sleeping in a home of a family and the family didn't have a visa that permitted tourists to sleep in their homes. And the government says, if you stay in that home, we're going to take that home from them and we're going to fine them $1,000 and you're going to get kicked out of the country. My reaction could have been, it is not right That is their home. They should be able to have the right to invite anybody they want into their home. But it wasn't the law. The law said a tourist needs to stay in a tourist place. I can visit their home, but I can't sleep in it because I might be given the money. The government's not going to get the tax money, and so it all trickles down. So what do you do? In Christ Jesus, I don't need to sleep in that home. We go to, the, go to the hotel 45 minutes away and taxi back and forth and visit. You learn. You do. There are things that we do not have to fight about because Jesus Christ continues to be Jesus Christ. And Tuesday, no matter what happens, it does not change who saved us and who we belong to and what we do in life. Who, how we react to other people and how we treat other people does not change according to that. This is not an election day sermon. This is about being at peace with God. Because while we were yet sinners, God sent Jesus Christ. And he saved me. And he saved you. And he poured his mercy upon us through the blood of Jesus Christ. And he's lifted us up out of the misery of this world, giving us hope, saying, I am preparing a place for you for eternity. And there's peace. There is no need for light. And we will feast on the food from the 12 fruits of the, 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 the tree of life for eternity. Salvation is available through Christ. All the rest of this is distraction. Don't let the distraction... It's important. Don't let me wrong. It's important. But if I'm in Cuba, I'm a Christian first. And if I'm here in the United States, I'm a Christian first. And so if the United States turns to socialism, I'm still a Christian It might change how we worship and how we do things that we don't like and we need to try to change in a law-abiding way. But I'm a Christian first. And how I react to people, because there's two different things here. I can speak out against the evils of proposition such and such. Or I can go to a clinic and I can bomb it. Which one is love and grace? Hatred. Words spoken in anger? Prayer, fasting, and reaching out to those in need. Those who are, need assistance. Those who need assistance after wrong decisions. Peace is what God gives us and brings us. We are all fellow citizens. Jesus Christ died for that person that had the abortion, and Jesus Christ died for me. God doesn't like sin. 
but Jesus Christ died for that sin. And he wants that sinner to know Jesus Christ. And he wants his people to be his voice, crying out in the wilderness, lifting them up. And it's going to, we're going to have to put boots on because it's going to get deeper and deeper and deeper. And it's going to get harder and harder in this world until Jesus Christ returns. It's never going to get easier. The glory days weren't glory days back then. They're glory days now because we remember them as glory days, but there were struggles back then too. There was difficulties back then. This does not preclude differences in various roles. Husband, wife, father, children, government, honor the emperor, First Peter. Oh my goodness, how can we do that? How can we honor such a person that has morals different than me? Because we obey the law and we speak what is true. We don't speak what is true. Jesus Christ stood before his accusers in silence and suffered the consequences for it, for us and for them. It's not easy. Where acceptance abounds, we receive those weak in faith, we bear the infirmities. Uh, I had a son who was a vegan for several years. How crazy is that? Man, barbecue is so good. Bacon goes good with everything. I'm just thankful he one day he rode his bike past a fish taco place and everything changed. He smelt the fish tacos and went in and had one and everything changed. I love them both the same. Either way. We seek to worship God with one mind and one voice. And I appreciate what's going on here. Sorry that they have to stand here with me. They do make the stage look better, though. We receive one another as Christ received us. Romans 14.1. It says, Now accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinion. You can be part of us, but you're not quite like us. You can come, but you're, you're here, we're here. You know what I mean? Uh, they're Christians, but they're not one of the good old Christians. It says, accept the one who is weak in faith, as if he is one of you. Because when you were weak, God died for you, or Jesus died for you. In Romans 15, 1, it says, Now we who are strong ought to bear the weakness of those without strength, and not just to please ourselves. When you make a judgment and make a decision and, and get ready to say those words or have an action, is it because of you? A lot of times it is. We strike back. Another workshop I went to, if you've never gone to ICOM, International Conference on Mission, uh, next year it's in Oklahoma City, I recommend it. It's one of the best conferences that I've always enjoyed. It's always in uh, November. Uh, I went to the one about humility. Wow, what a struggle. Uh, the guy asked, do anybody have anything said? I said, 
I got one thing because people ask, what's the hardest thing about being on the mission field? Being away from your parents, uh, you know, all the things you've eaten that are strange. I know the hardest thing in, in ministry and in the mission field is humility. It's humility because if you're not careful, they will put you up here like you're the all. The, the, the preacher, the minister, the, the pastor, the elder can become the God. I had a church that would not buy toilet paper for the bathroom because I hadn't told them what kind to buy in one church. Because they were waiting, they didn't want to buy the wrong kind because I might get mad. I'm, you know, I had to apologize to them. I'm sorry that you thought I'd get mad because you bought Regio instead of, uh, yeah, Suavecitos or whatever. Yeah. I'm sorry that that was an issue because that shouldn't be an issue. And humility, coming before Jesus Christ, God through Jesus Christ, understanding that His grace and His mercy has brought us and to salvation. Jesus died to break down the division between God and man, making peace with God. The division between man and man, making peace for mankind. The distinctions diminish as we become closer and closer to God. Sin is still sin. Wrong decisions are still wrong decisions. But through Jesus Christ, we're on equal ground. And that brings us peace. No matter our earthly citizenship, we become fellow citizens. Jesus came to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death. To guide our feet into the way of peace. He didn't come to make it known that you are a special person to all the world. He came to let you know that you are special to the one who created you and that he has prepared everything for you for all eternity if you want. You decide. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ, the step is first to understand that he died for your sins like he died for mine. To give your life in faith and repentance confessing Jesus as Lord and Savior, washing your sins in the baptism uh, that's before us, knowing that the blood of Jesus Christ is enough and sufficient for, to cover all of our sins, past and future. And if we are in Jesus Christ, the challenge is, how is Jesus Christ going to make peace with mankind through us. What are we going to do to change things and bring peace? It's only through Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. God bless. Thank you so much.